Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here. Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard, a podcast where I just go through all kinds of different stuff. Uh, and tonight's going to be a topic that is near and dear to me, and that is autographs and primarily Hall of Fame autographs. And this is an area of the hobby that I think a lot of people love, would love to be involved in, and yet might be intimidated to a large degree to dive into this world. And I just, I found it to be absolutely awesome it's it is my favorite part of my collection is my hall of fame autograph collection and so i have i have a really really nice hall of fame autograph collection i'm not gonna lie but there's a guy that i'm gonna have on tonight that we're gonna talk to that puts me to shame and his name is bill and he is known as the hall of fame collector on youtube bill welcome to the show dude how you doing mike uh thanks for having me um Trust me, your collection is um, surely not inferior to mine. You have an excellent collection. And um, yeah, so, but yes, I've been doing this a long time and hope to share some knowledge with you uh, on tonight's podcast. Well, let's just say we have mutual admiration for each other's collections. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah. And I, I've been actually, I've been to a Yankees game with you, Bill. Uh, I've been, I bought a Honus Wagner from you at a Yankees game, Honus Wagner autograph at a Yankee. Remember that? How many times has that happened? Not, I don't think very often. And I'm walking around, we're sitting in the stands. I got a Honus Wagner autograph. We were showing other people in the stands, other fans. That was pretty fun. Okay. Uh, man, what a great topic. And I really think it's something that scares a lot of people. Going back, let's talk, and I know you know a lot about this, so I'll let you just kind of ramble on this topic. Let's talk about the history of autographs and where did it start, why did it start, and how did it transform over the years? Well, Mike, I think, um, well, first off, for me, just the drive for collecting autographs, to me, um, it's it's having something um, physical in front of you that the the individual the player i mean it, it may not be just baseball it could be any sport it could be entertainers could be really anybody but just to have that particular item in front of you physical item that you have um that was once in front of this person and this person signed their name so they in in a moment of time they shared this item so you sort of own a piece of their life a piece of their time it's crazy to kind of think of it that way but that's really how I feel about it. And it's kind of what makes me get drawn to autographs in general. Um, 
it's not something uh, that's technically mass produced. Um, so um, once someone passes, that's it. And so um, just to to have an autograph of somebody or a signature or however you want to call it, it's it's it shows that they're real and that that time was real. It is not imaginary. What you read, you know, from back in the day, vintage baseball, right? Those stories, those legends, if you will, um, they were real. So I can prove they're real because I have their signatures. And so that's the draw for me. Mike, is that partially what draws you into it? Oh my gosh, totally. That that tactile connection with the player is huge for me to think that they touched that or interacted with that item, whatever it is, means a lot to me in terms of connecting me to the, to the history and to the sport itself and what that player meant to the game and focusing on hall of famers for both of us, these are like the best players ever. Right. So it, it's a different, different animal. That's right. So, so going back, um, the genesis of the baseball autograph or the autograph in general, I don't think it was, it was certainly not anything like it's like today. Um, go back. You, you may have to go back to maybe um, around the twenties uh, is kind of where it all began prior to the twenties. Um, things were people didn't get autographs. It wasn't something that was uh, not anything of value. Of course, that didn't come until decades later, but, but uh, I want to say 20s was about when it started. You had the Roaring 20s, of course. Um, well, Ruth, right? I mean, if you've seen the, have you seen the 2020 Tops Ruth SP where he has baseballs all around him and he's just signing all these baseballs? It's a great picture. And Ruth was, I think, the kind of genesis of that, don't you? I believe so. I, I think I think um, just at that time you had you had, I mean, just even outside the baseball world entertainers, aviators, uh, people started uh, idolizing, you know, stars and things like that. You know, you had radio and you had, uh, you know, different, different things where people were reading about these people. And, and so, so kids in, in particular started idolizing um, these, these people. So they'd go to a ball game, for instance, um, they wanted to get to meet the player. And uh, at that time, um, that's sort of where the autograph started. Um, prior to that, I guess you can call it a signature, if you will. Um, but yes, and uh, that's where it started. And um, yes, the Babe Ruth stuff, that certainly is a good picture. It depicts kind of like what uh, the time was. Um, and then I want to say, moving on, uh, in the 30s, um, same thing. It was it, There was no value uh, thought to it. You know, you would the kids would get their ball signed at the ballpark and then went and played, uh, you know, stick ball in their alleyway or whatnot with that ball. So there was, there was no, there was no, uh, thought really for, uh, potential value or things, things like that. Um, of course you had the world war to go on and things like that. But, but I want to say, um, it really started picking up late thirties into the early forties and really, really, really picked up in the fifties. Um, <laughs> as some of those legends, uh, from the game, uh, retired and moved on and you had your big stars at the time, right? Your musical, your, your DiMaggio and things like that. 
Um, and so one medium that was very, very popular, uh, the baseball sort of started the game. Uh, but um, I want to say government postcards started uh, some other mediums. Mediums, but when I when I say medium, it's just type of item that the person signed. So you can have a, a jersey, a bat, a baseball, uh, ticket stuff, card, baseball card, medium, right. if you will. Uh, so there's obviously different times where one were, was more popular than the other. Um, but yeah, I want to say 40s and, and stuff. That's sort of where TTMing started. And uh, that's very popular to this day. Obviously, people would get a postcard or um, at the post office and self-adjust, you know, stamp the envelope, whatever, send it out. This is when collectors started where they would talk to one another and send things to the ballpark or send things to find people's addresses, send things to them and get a signature and have it returned. Um, I want to say uh, that started around that time. Again, just letters written out to ball players and things like that. Um, that was 40s, 50s. And I want to say it was around the death of Ty Cobb is what I've read. Uh, was when things really changed in the autograph hobby, if you will. Because here you have a legend that at that time was still mortal. He was alive and was signing uh, through the mail. And um, when he, once he passed, I think a lot of people realized that um, they wanted to kind of go back and reconnect um, to um, – the 30s and the 20s, maybe times when either they were a little kid or their parents would tell stories about the ballpark. And so that's kind of really where things blew up. Um, still no value, no major value in things. And then 70s came around, same thing, but really things changed big time in the 80s. And um, that was, of course, Mike with all the shows. Right. Uh, I was too young for any of that, but I mean, you can kind of see that today with all the national shows and local sports shows where you have to literally pay um, to get in line and have somebody sign something. Do you know who was kind of the major player in really starting and launching that entire industry? No, I would fail the rapid fire question if that was a rapid fire question. Mickey Mantle. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say Mickey Mantle was, yeah, Mickey Mantle was big. He was the guy that made that a big deal. And he kind of started going to all these shows and, okay, I'm Mickey Mantle. How can I make a, he's like, how can I make some money on being Mickey Mantle? And he started, and then all these other players, you know, Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio and everybody else started following suit. And it Correct. became the in, the giant industry that it is today. Correct. Have you seen some of those old ads from the early '80s and oh, mid '80s, yeah. or Mickey oh, yeah. Mantle, whatever, ten bucks, twenty bucks, right. Sandy <laughs> Koufax? Add another five bucks, you can get Sandy Koufax. It's just right. My God. Yeah. Oh, we could go back and do all that over again, wouldn't That's we? That's right. That's right. So, what got you started loving Hall of Fame autographs and got you going with it? So, most people probably that listen to to this sort of stuff that you you know you produce um they we come from the card world so obviously uh as a 
young teenager in the 90s, you know, would have my little league, uh, you know, uh, get out of the game or whatever, go go to the store, go to my Kmart or Bradley's. I don't know if you remember these places, but would um, get my big league chew, chewing gum, and then, uh, you know, would sit at the checkout line and basically uh, my parents would ask me, hey, Bill, would Bill, would you, uh, do you want a, a candy bar or do you want a pack of cards? And I, I said to myself, you know, if I eat the candy bar, it's gone. But I have a pack of cards and I can do whatever I want forever with those things. So I got packs of cards. And so I was a collector in the 90s, 93 through around 96. And then high school came around. Very typical with most collectors that, you know, I hear the whole high school thing kind of just cars and other interests kind of set in. Um, so I, that was all on the hiatus. And it wasn't until 2005 where I got back into it. My father was uh, selling eBay things for people. eBay was relatively new and it wasn't something that, uh, you know, people didn't know what how to, how to really use it. So he came home with something that his uh, coworker wanted to sell. And it was a Babe Ruth game used Jersey card. And uh, I was blown away that they can put Jersey cards in a in a uh, baseball card and I missed all that whole thing so that started me off and of course the autographs that's that's where it started off so I would try to get um, as many stars and Hall of Famers on sports cards as I could you know sticker autographs and things like that and that's really where it started do you remember who your first Hall of Fame baseball autograph was Tony Gwynn I pulled it from a pack Nice. What pat? What card? It was a Don Ross, uh, Don Ross triple uh, throwback threads uh, sticker autograph with a patch prime. Nice. And, uh, it was multicolor patch. It was. It was. It was. It was exciting. Those were numbered to ten or to five back then. I think the primes were. I think. Well, no. I think it might have been to twenty-five. Okay. It might have been to twenty-five. But yeah, it was a prime. And the foil on it was holographic. It wasn't uh, like yeah. a standard silver foil. I still remember the car. I got rid of it a decade ago, but I remember it. Man. That started it. And so I would try to get every uh, Hall of Famer that I could, just knowing that there are stars. And again, I didn't think care about value. I just wanted that piece in time, like that, that, like I was mentioning before, that little piece of something. You know, just uh, for me personally, a card alone doesn't do that. Right. Um, so that's where the autograph thing kind of just set in. And um, at some point, um, cards, you can only get certain players, you know, and you get the players that were still alive and signing. So then you started saying, well, they had these cards that were called uh, cut autographs, which was a, a, a way of taking an older signature from somebody that had passed away. They, they cut it from a check or they cut it from a letter or an album page. Again, different mediums and uh place it on the card and so but those can get very expensive because there's this premium for taking uh for the card company for physically pulling a card out of a pack that has a cut on there's this premium and to me it was just like well you know i can he signed both right that's how i look exactly. at it exactly as i can right. get this uh ted williams uh cut card where they they cut part of his name off on a card and spend four times as much than just getting the the nice signature on an index card where they sourced it. And so that's where I started kind of getting branching out of sports cards, if you will, and into other mediums. You know, when I talk to 
or I guess other Hall of Fame autograph collectors, the first thing we always ask each other is what's your number? And I know like for T206 guys, you know, it's the monster set and they say, what's your monster number? And that's how many T206 cards they have. Well, in the Hall of Fame autograph world, it's what's your number, which is how many different Hall of Famers do you have? What's your number, Bill? Well, there's two different numbers, Mike. There's how many Hall of Fame autographs do you have? And then there's how many different individual autographs. So Touché. I want to say, I want to say um, there's 333 or 334 actual people in the Hall of Fame. And I'm in the 270s. Okay. So I'm at 247. Um, but I have total over 2,500 Hall of Fame autographs. Correct. Correct. So you would, uh, win, you would win one of the numbers. I would win the other number. Yeah, but what I think, and this is what people don't realize, is for my 247 to your 270s is the cost of a house, you know, or a very, very nice car, right? I mean, it's that difference is gigantic when you get there. And so there's two points I want to make here, and we can have a conversation around this. Number one, getting starting a Hall of Fame, just because you can't, I mean, you'll never get them all, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. That's super important. There's there's, there's just no way. It's, it's funny because I'm a completionist, and I like my spreadsheets and, and checking things off the list and things like that. I'm sure you're the same way, Mike. Yep. But just um, it's just it's just ironic how how we both fall into collecting something that's impossible. And the people ask, well, why can't you get them all? And there's 43 guys that are listed on the PSA registry that are impossible. They they call them quote unquote impossible to get, which I find ironic because they're not completely impossible, but there are you know let's say 40 to 50 players that they have so few authentic autographs out there that for your average collector, they will never obtain it. And, or if they do, like I know the last Jack Chesbro that I saw went for $19,000, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there are guys that will never get. And even that that's true, there are so many that you can and so the encouragement is to start, is to just start doing it. But um, any comment on the guys that you can't get? Um, there's a lot that you, that, you, that you can't get, but there's a lot that you can start out with. So it's, it's sort of you're working backwards from most difficult. Yes, you're right, 40 to 50 that are just impossible, not going to happen. You'd have to hit the lottery and still – you may be able to, over the course of 20 years of seeking and hunting, you may be able to find half of those and uh, where there's, you know, maybe less than five that are known to exist. There's certainly at least a dozen, if not more, that just don't exist at all. Um, nobody knows. And uh, even so, if there's one that is claimed to exist, how does one know that it's real? Right. Um, so that's the whole problem. But working the other way starting off i think it's i think it's glorious <laughs> well how would okay so let's talk about that how would you if someone goes all right i've always had an interest in hall of fame autographs <clears throat> how would i get started doing that what would you recommend 
Well, I'd recommend with uh, recommend buying, you know, some of the most uh, the easiest to obtain uh, people, people that um, you know uh, are you know are still alive. They're still signing. Um, you know for a fact, without a doubt, you know that they're real. You don't want to just jump into the game and and try to buy a thousand dollar autograph and just assume that it's real because it's a thousand dollars. Uh, you you um, you want to start off getting something you know is real and like I said, very obtainable. I mean, it depends on what medium you like, Mike. Really, um, if if you like if you like sports cards, you know, tops and Panini and all these things, they they the modern stuff. You know, you they're certified by the, the guy sits there and signs all day long, signs the cards. You know, they're real. You want to do TTM, you know, send something to Nolan Ryan. I don't know if he still has his foundation and things like that. You want to send stuff. You want to send stuff to them. I know you just got, what did you get? Brooks Robinson through the mail recently. I did. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are ways, you know, you can get something, uh, even meeting people at shows, right. When, when we're back to doing that, um, you know, they're real, uh, things like that. It's a way to start, uh, on a monetary value. There's plenty, plenty of hall of famers that you can get, uh, at, at a really cheap price really cheap price so really the kind of instigator of me starting to collect hall of fame autographs was back in i want to say it's 2012 or so maybe 2011 i went to a rangers fan fest and i was there and fergie jenkins was there hall of fame mm -hmm. pitcher and he was 20 dollars, and he would sign whatever he wanted and i had known he was going to be there i didn't know what it was going to cost but i brought a couple of cards for him to sign, which by the way, as an aside, remember like back in the eighties and seventies, getting baseball cards signed by players was like blasphemy. You were defacing the card and now it's all the rage, right? Go figure. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> back to the story of, of that. So I, I pay $20 for Fergie Jenkins to sign my card. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I wonder how many guys I could get. For 20 bucks or 30 you know kind of set this challenge self-challenge and then at that time seven eight nine years ago whenever it was you could get a lot of guys for 20 bucks or less if you were patient and you just and then i started going man how many you know and then you get to like 50 and then you get to 100 like 100 is a big number if you can, 100 and, is a big number and i remember shelling out my first you know 100 for a card or something or an autograph and you and it's 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 scary it's been now now it's just like you know but 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 yes yes that's um you get reached these tiers and uh, obviously with each tier the the number the number of people drop but which is good you don't want there to be more people that uh you can't afford at, at higher prices but certainly is a ton you know looking at it mike um i want to say uh, ballpark uh you know if you're going to spend less than 50 bucks if in general you should be able to get at least 135 i would say different hall of famers i mean where that right there is is what more third, than more a, than a third more than a third of the entire hall of fame just think about that i right. mean and less than 50 and you can you can chop that up into into you know your budget right so you don't need to you don't need to be have deep pockets to do this really well it's definitely a long game 
uh, for sure, because budgets kind of restrain most of us to where we can't just have unlimited funds going to the hobby, which I wish we all did. But yeah, that's uh, I think you can get to 130 to 150 different players pretty easily. And that's not just your Dennis Eckersley's and your Raleigh fingers, but it's, I mean, you can find Ripken autographs for under 50 bucks. And I would say the biggest tip I would give is get the low hanging fruit, you know, get the, the guys mainly that are alive. Cause once a player passes away, we've seen it over and over and over again. Welcome Tom Seaver, rest in peace, sir. Rest in peace, Lou Brock. You know, their prices essentially double and it's not always permanent. You know, I think Seaver stuff will eventually come back down as will Brock. Well. When you finally realize like Bob Feller, for example, signed so much stuff. There's so many of them out there, even though he's passed away. I think there's enough Bob Feller's autograph for every person in America to have four, you know, so and Bobby Dore and, you know, guys like that. So but the general rule is stick with guys that are alive if you want to start small. And uh, you can build a beautiful collection just doing that to get growing. But then, you know, it gets tough, right? And I think this is where the intimidation factor comes in, because as long as you can buy autographs of a certified autograph from a card, let's say, then it you have relatively low fear that that autograph is not real. Correct. And there is, I've been burned more than my fair share early, have on, early on in my hall of fame autograph collecting life buying things that turned out to be either secretarial which means the player basically had an assistant sign it or their their wife signed it or they were a clubhouse attendant would sign an item and this is starting to get into the vintage part of this again the modern stuff the new stuff no fear there but when you get into the vintage stuff and the players that died in you know in the 60s and 50s and they're the only autographs they have are vintage autographs then you've got to be a lot more careful what resources do you use bill to kind of help you through that process of feeling comfortable to buy something that is going to cost a pretty penny um well, there's plenty of different resources you can do. Of course, your your number one resource is yourself, and that's doing your homework. Um, you know, I, I like to, when I was interested in, in obtaining an autograph of somebody that maybe was a little bit more on the pricey end, uh, I certainly would search uh, the internet for tons of examples, uh, get an understanding of um, how popular was his or her signature on that item um because uh, it may be very typical to have him sign uh, an index card or whatever but to have him handwrite a letter uh would maybe they're, they're so scarce and 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 that to me is a red flag if it's at a certain price um but i rely on i rely on myself of course with with searching and comparing different things there's a number of different books that are out that uh, that have, that are other experts. Can I show mine? This is the Bible. For Did Hall we just become best friends? 
if we just become best friends, I think so. And for those of you listening on the podcast, we are showing a book called Baseball Hall of Fame Autographs, a reference guide. And it's by a guy named Ron Kirchin and no relation to Tim Kirchin of the of ESPN. This thing, this book has saved me so much money and so many mistakes, so much so that I got. Oh, you got the revised edition? I got the revised edition. He did a second edition. Uh, I guess just a couple of years ago, right? Where yeah, it, they had he 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 added some more images and and uh, I think he, the newer Hall of Fame classes. Yeah, but these books, as a reference, I think can first and reading through the books and looking at the different players, it's just cool to read. I mean, it's I've as a Hall of Fame autograph lover, I read through different players and it'll tell you kind of he'll describe their signature and he'll describe. You know, you need to look out for these kinds of fakes and these kinds of fakes. And correct. You know, he's very, very, very good. And or he'll say, you know, I've only seen, and this guy has seen everything from the Hall of Fame archives, everything this guy has researched over the years. He's like, I've only seen two of this guy's signatures ever, you know. So to find one of his, good luck with that is basically what he's saying. And so he'll tell you that, uh, that it'll you'll never find it kind of thing. And that's stuff we need to know as collectors. And if you're wanting to build a hobby, but at the same time, I've learned a lot from my mistakes that I've made. Some more expensive than others. Do you have one in mind, Mike? Um, I have several in mind. I bought a red Faber, you know, uh, hall of famer, uh, urban red Faber. His wife signs. I had I bought a, a 61 Fleer signed by him, but not signed by him. And what's funny is I took it and I took it to my book and it showed what his wife's it showed an example of a it'll also show examples in the book of what fakes look like. These are common secretarials. These are common, you know, right. wife's signatures. And it showed his wife's signature. And I went, that is spitting image of what is on this card. This is right. fake. I bought a fake satchel page letter i've bought fake photographs with dimaggio and Manel and williams and the list is sadly not endless but those are all things that i have learned valuable lessons from yeah i had a fake uh i had a secretarial charles comiskey letter yeah and that shouldn't i, I hope that doesn't come across as discouraging if you're wanting to start a collection in this no it's you're not going to not make a mistake. That's a double negative, but it means you will make a mistake and just try not to make a mistake with Babe Ruth or, you know, and so that leads me to my next point and topic of discussion and that's authenticity of autographs. And so there are three main, what I would call autograph authenticators out there today. James Spence authentication, we'll call it, we'll use the term JSA for them. Yep. You got PSA DNA, which is, it's PSA, but it's their autograph division called PSA DNA. And then you've yep. got Beckett authentication services. Yeah. And those are, to me, kind of the three. You're still going to come across SGC as well. True, but they you don't do it anymore. Can't do it, you can't submit things to right. the net. Correct. So if I'm looking for a really high priced item, I want to see that authentication, ideally from more than one, 
sometimes you'll have the bigger items will have it's both PSA certified and Beckett autograph, whatever. It'll have multiple. And I love seeing that. I love. And again, they make mistakes. That's the we think that they're infallible as authenticators. They are certainly not. Uh, I, I'm sure I have fake autographs in my collection, which I hate, especially the older stuff. Yeah. Even yeah, though it's certified. I refrained uh, from buying a Cap Anton autograph, even though it had a PSA LOA letter of authenticity um, because of Ron's book suggesting that that was actually um, not signed by him. So they make mistakes as well. And again, that, that shouldn't be a discouragement either. No. It's simply that this is an area of the hobby, much like vintage cards, that you have to be on your toes. You can't just take everything at face value or just say, oh, well, it's authenticated by PSA, so it's good. It's likely good. They're right way, way more than they're wrong. But And so is BAS and so is JSA. Um but there are guys that are highly forged, I would say, and you'll probably add some more to this list, but Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth are probably the four that come to my mind as the most forged. Would you? Who would you add to that list? Did you say Garrick? No, I did not, but Garrick, yeah. Garrick, sure, yeah. So there are... Uh, some well, well done forgeries out there. So you just got to be on your toes. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, who would you say, Bill, is your favorite Hall of Fame autograph that you have in your collection? Oh, boy. Um, that's hard to answer. I would have to say um, Alexander Cartwright. Uh, tell everybody who Alexander Cartwright is if they don't know. Well, Alexander Joy Cartwright was an original Knickerbocker who helped develop uh, and sort of implement the first rules of baseball. Uh, so he is in as a pioneer of the game. And uh, yeah, so somebody that was around in the 1820s to, I forget what year he passed away, but 18 something, maybe early 1900, 1902, 1903. But um, just the effect, some of these pioneers, the, the, those to me are, are, just unreal to have something that they penned uh, again vintage fountain ink signatures that's another thing we didn't touch base on like is just uh, how they the penmanship just compared to up uh, for the vintage compared to today. <laughs> no doubt. the cartwright signature is just besides the man's importance to the game just his signature alone is just beautiful absolutely stunning the flow the it's it's that's a, it could be that could be one of my top five. What is what is that on? Is it on? A, I think it's a letter, right? It's a um, it's like a land grant or something like that. He, okay. he lived in Hawaii um, after after the whole uh, baseball thing, and uh, he was like a fire chief, or he, was, he did a couple of things in Hawaii. But this is some court kind of like land grant um, that he signed on behalf of the queen or something like that. It, it's pretty cool. It's it's really cool. Very fragile, but very cool. 
and that's what you find with a lot of these super old like turn of the century guys is you only on official documents essentially will you find authentic signatures of their autographs of theirs actually technically their signatures right so a signature the difference is a signature is on an official document that's why it says signature and then an autograph is just a non-specific to anything signet uh it wasn't like non-binding or i guess right and so those are i love those kinds of documents i love getting hall of famers that are have signed player contracts uh letters those kinds of things are always special to me my favorite one that i own is the ruth i think just because i love it but it's not my favorite item that i have signed those are two different things because you're not into multi-sign pieces really very much are you um i'm i'm into it and i'm not it's really that's a weird question my head i I don't know where my thoughts are going with that it can go anywhere i mean everyone uh what's what's great about multi-items is obviously what are the odds that how many other items are there out there where these combinations of players sign something perhaps it's a, a a dinner or something that they went to together to celebrate something and and uh the, the program is dated and it's the dinner menu or something like that and and uh, five or six hall of famers signed it you know um it's just cool that they're all there and it also to me it also helps with authenticity because it's much harder to forge something uh five or six times you know versus one single signed item yeah, I have a bunch of items like that, and they are super cool to have. Uh, I think my favorite item would have to be, I have a couple of Hall of Fame programs that are, it's the it's from the same year, 1983, and it's just two different programs that a guy just took around in Cooperstown and had all these guys sign, and it's got, I think, 84 different Hall of Famers between the two. Uh, including Campanella and Hank Aaron and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. And just, it's, it's just this piece that I just, every time I look at it, I get a giant grin on my face because there's so many great guys on it. Yeah. But what's your favorite medium? My favorite medium would have to be the government postcard. Um, the reason being obviously, uh, it goes back to the 40s. I want actually, you know, I have a few government postcards dated 27, 1929. Very rare, um, but pre World War II is very rare. But most of them you're going to find 48 to 1960, somewhere in that range. And they're just like these yellow postcards. Here's one for people that are watching, um, right? Government postcard, and it's postmarked. Tourist See, I like right. things. I like things that are dated. So for me, I just like knowing. Because you can tell sometimes with autographs, people's autographs change over time. Mickey sure. Mantle had different variations of autograph from his rookie year through the end of his life, right? So, but I mean, just things that are dated to me, these are postmarked with, you know, the location. So Brooklyn, you know, or whatever, Honus Wagner stuff will have, um, was it Carnegie, Pennsylvania, which is like where he came from or whatever it is. And, um, I like things that are dated. So right behind that, I, I may have checks and letters, things that are dated. Um, that's what I love. Yeah, me too. Uh, I have a 
Ty Cobb check. Yeah. That was one of my first really, I'll call it bigger Hall of Fame autograph purchases. It's It was already slabbed by PSA. Uh, Ty Cobb was known to have literally thousands of checks that were released by his family and sold by his family after he passed away. Return checks. He had kept them all because he was so anal retentive about that. This one happens to be a, a telephone bill for like two hundred and fifty dollars in the fifties, which is like a lot of that was a lot of money for a phone bill. But yeah. uh, I, I love that kind of a piece, and I think like that one back then. I think I paid seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred dollars for it. Yeah, they're going over a thousand now um, for <coughs> a fifties version with green ink. They're yeah. over a thousand, yep. and, and That's they can what it get. Is. They can get uh, much pricier if you dip into the 40s and 30s and get get a little bit older. You know, you can get closer to two grand plus. And then, and then of course, you need you know some of these authentication companies like to uh, you can elect to have them uh, grade the autograph, which is a completely you know I guess a different topic if you will. But um, you know, just like cards, there's people that like to collect things that have grades assigned to them. So. Um, if you can, yeah, if you can get something that's graded a, a 10 versus an eight or something, it, it would set itself apart from the other item. You know, we were just talking about, oh God, my thought just left my brain. Keep talking about that. What were you just saying? Cause I really want to talk about this. Your registry? Was. No, 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 no. Before that you were saying, oh goodness gracious, Mike, this is a good host moment. Um, well, I, I, again, with the authentication companies in general, um, you know, they, they, you can, you can elect to have them grade things, uh, which they, they can, um, you know, assign a numerical value to, to how crisp the autograph is smudging. If the autograph goes off the page, um, you know, it's completely outside of, of authenticating if you will but um it, it is it is a way to to have something kind of set itself apart from the other um i just want to make sure it's real that's that's my priority um so i do have things that are graded nines and tens and things like that it just were kind of purchased that way so you know great i think you and i both have a cy young uh government postcard right both i, I think you and I, we're both nines they happen to be nines i have a nine yes yeah yeah we both have those but all right, I, I did remember what I wanted to ask you, and this will be kind of maybe our final topic, but there's so much to this. There's so many layers to this onion. I hope everybody understands we are scratching the surface of this. And if you have questions or whatever, put them down below. Go. We'll talk about Bill's channel here in a second. But if you're wanting to start a Hall of Fame autograph collection, baseball especially, although I know you do basketball as well. And somebody goes out and they start looking for a, I'm trying to think of a player. Let's take a guy like Ernie Banks. Okay. And they start looking at Ernie Banks autographs on eBay or wherever. The price differences can be gigantic. Oh yeah. And try to help people understand why there is such giant price. They're all signed by Ernie Banks. So why is one $50 and one $1,000 or $500? Well, 
supply and demand in the most generic, simplest way to say it, I suppose it'd be supply and demand. Um, sports cards, you know, I think he did pretty good signing for sports card companies and things like that. So you can find, you know, on-card autographs, um, sticker autographs, and, and you can you can get his autograph fairly cheap. Um, index cards, probably the same thing. Um, he was pretty good at signing. I think he did a number of events and things like that. Um, baseballs, um, you know, there's there's team sign balls and there's there's single sign balls for whatever reason. There's a phenomenon about single sign balls versus team balls, and so uh, any a certain player can have a big range depending on how little or how many of these things are out there. I'm not sure that if that's what you were looking for. Yeah, well, also like say if he signed a 54 tops card, his rookie card, that's going to command a much larger. It, it depends variety. on it, well, because it depends on the medium. It depends right. on the medium, correct? And that's that's kind of where I'm going is yeah. if if you're but you can buy a Nabisco. If you go look this up, you'll know what I'm talking about. A Nabisco Ernie Banks autograph for $25 or 30 bucks because, and it's, but it's on card. And my point is it's still signed by Ernie Banks. So if you're starting. Yeah. You just know, don't jump to the extreme. Yeah. And, but there's just so many differences in depending on what it's on and how it looks and if it's graded and all of those things play into the price. So I would, my, my biggest pieces of advice to someone starting is be patient, be patient and do your homework. Like you said earlier, Bill, um, I know you and I are at the point now in our collections where we're not buying the autographs we're looking for on eBay. Typically we're buying them from major auction houses where everything's been, as vetted as it can be, it's not, again, nothing, no system is perfect and I'm not trying to claim that it is, but we're buying from auction houses and, you know, we're buying like one item and we're paying, I don't think people understand. We're talking thousands of dollars per autograph. And, uh, when you get to the guys that we need that are left on our list, I don't, I don't think I have a single guy on my list. That's less than 800 bucks for just yeah. a postcard or something yeah and i'm around two grand right so and people say we well, are nuts well yeah we kind of are we we know we get it but there again you don't have to you, you can collect for years and never get to that or have to spend that kind of money if you don't want to no. and if you want to just make sure you're doing your homework and have the the uh resources and Patience, 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 man. I'm telling you, but, and, and look for the kind of item you'll want. Like if you want to collect government postcards, look for those. If you want to collect, you know, player era cards from when they were around and they want you want to autograph on a tops card. Great. My problem is I like all of it. Right. So that's right. And the problem is you can't just pick one thing and be able to have a complete collection with it because not every player has government postcards or every player has, you know what I mean? You, 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 and you've struggled with this, I think over your hall of fame autograph career, cause you wanted everything a certain way, right? That's right. That's right. It, it, they all can't, they're all not the same size and they all don't fit in the same, same drawer. Right. So, so you have this, you know, thing in your head where you're like, uh Oh, 
you know, and then, and then you're going to go, okay, well, now I'm going to go index cards that are slabbed or something. And then, well, those are easy. You could put them all together. And it's like, uh-oh, I just got a letter. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that, that sort of thing just kind of hits you. So, yeah, storage is, is a little a little funky, you know. And, yeah, uh, that, yeah. That's just part of it. That's what I would tell people is that's just totally part of it. So, any as we close out here, and again, guys, we've just covered the basics anything you want to leave people with is if they want to start a hall of fame autograph collection just do it exactly. i would say just do it i mean i mean just start off start off with the, with the cheaper guys start off with the ones that you know you can get a good deal on you've done homework you can check you know sold listings um you know this is not one of these uh high risk reward type things you know with with modern um, yes, granted, there are some price increases once somebody passes away or gets inducted and, um, you know, more topics, of course, for another time, perhaps prospecting and things like that. But but um, in general, just you can start off, you just get the cheaper guys, the guys that, that signed a lot. And um, that doesn't mean they're inferior in any way to the rarer guys. Um, at all they're they're legends um so yeah the autograph in my head you know i hear dazzy vance and i think amazing you know because he's hard to get but you can say ernie banks and he's 25 bucks and that guy's more legendary than dazzy vance so you can get incredible players incredible legends of the game or any sport if you will um for really good prices and really build a solid collection. Um, and again, just having that item in front of you that that person touched, you can't get that in anything with anything else for the most part. And so I, I draw the link between memorabilia and sports cards kind of with this autograph world that we're in. Yeah, it's awesome. And I it's again, my favorite part of my collection. And it's just been fantastic it's getting harder now only because of the guys that we need and you we, we you and i might pick up one or two guys a year that we need right you know and that's okay too there were years i got a bunch of guys and so just get started and i really appreciate you bill coming on the show and talking through this and hopefully we helped some people hopefully we gave some good information that you can build on and be inspired maybe to get rolling. Definitely. Definitely. We all started from somewhere. You know, at one point I had zero hall of fame autographs and Mike, I don't know if you started off with zero. You might've had a few. Had a somewhere. few from when I was a kid, kid, but yeah. no, I had zero. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and uh, I've gotten somewhere now and, and there, there's, there's, there's a few of us that, uh, that are up there and and it's just it's just it's awesome it's an awesome place to be it's cool to have it you feel like you have a little cooperstown near in your house you know but uh definitely awesome and i would encourage anybody um that wants to be and feel closer to the game uh especially connect with the past and learn about these players that you may not know of um to get into autograph collecting i didn't know these people when i first started and once you kind of look these players up and understand what they contributed to the game one way or the other, uh, you get appreciation from it. And then when that item 
gets dropped at their mailbox and you open it up and you have it, it's it's a great feeling. Well, or, you bring it to a, or you bring it to a Yankee game and someone buys it from you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, tell everybody, Bill, how they can find you kind of out on social media world. Uh, well, I've simplified my YouTube channel. It's uh, Bill, the Hall of Fame collector. It's HOF collector. Um, I uh, You can go back in time. I've probably been posting videos for maybe four years or so. Just kind of all the pickups I get and things like that. Um, obviously, where I am in with autograph collecting, I've, I've ventured out into bas- the world of basketball. Uh, just another sport I've enjoyed over the years, and um, sort of reconnected to '90s. So I'm I'm playing the whole little '90s thing because you can really have fun, uh, on you know, economy-wise with money, not not hurting your wallet or this or that. But but um, you'll you'll see me post videos uh, for, with some of my autograph collection, and I, and I think. You know, if anybody has any questions, they definitely should uh, feel free to reach out, comment on one of my videos. I do my best. I think I try to get back to everybody. That's one good thing I I definitely do is get back to everybody. I have an Instagram as well, but I don't really use it that much. It would also be, uh, I think, Bill, the Hall of Fame collector. Nice. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, is this your first podcast? You did good as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So next time I'll be a veteran. That's right. And we have more to scratch. Hopefully people will give us some great feedback on what else they'd like to hear. I would love to hear what they have to say because, I mean, I, I have I sat here and I, I, I had some things here talking topics that we didn't even touch. So, yeah. I mean, I think um, for a more advanced discussion, uh, I think it, it can be, you know, certainly done in the future. For sure. So much to cover. So. All right, guys. Well, I hope everybody out there has a great week. And wherever you are, wherever you're listening or watching, thanks for tuning in. And most of all, keep collecting.